Go Ask Alice is a show intended for adult audiences because adults want to learn too. Sometimes we cover sensitive material, so please take care of yourselves and listener discretion is advised. Now on to the show. Hello, internet friends, and welcome back to another episode of Go Ask Alice, a show where we jump down random internet rabbit holes and bring you wonderful factoids from our adventures in Wiki Wonderland. I'm Drew, and Lindsay will forever be that new kid, you know the one in my phone. With me is... <laughs> I'm that new kid. You know the one. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm also Lindsay, and I put the bitch in obituary. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is the show where we start on the same wiki page every week, although the wiki page itself changes, thanks to sometimes our patrons like today. We wander around the internet in search for the weirdest and strangest facts and fiction. Although today, I think it's going to be just facts. Yeah, If I can guess correctly. (laughs) In case you haven't gathered, we do not reveal to each other what page we land on, and we learn all about it to share with each other and all of you. If you haven't noticed, today we are without Sarah and or Jean. They both have COVID on separate ends of the earth. Yeah. So send them all the best vibes. But today <laughs> is just a Lindsay and Drew special. And it is extra special because the wiki page we're starting on was gifted to us by a patron. Said patron, Cake Mastermind, is more than a Cake Mastermind, but is also rather devious because he intentionally gave us a very difficult to pronounce wiki page. <laughs> yes, yes. With the sole terrible purpose And I know this because he messaged me on Patreon to say so, that he wanted to hear us butcher it. So uh, maybe it's good that Sarah and Jean aren't here and only a few of us take the bullet. The wiki page that we started on is Schwarzwalder Kirschtorte, but I feel like it's only fair if Drew also tries to say it. Okay. Schwarzwalder Kirschtorte. (laughs) Okay, that was bad. You like are German, Drew. Like you... Uh. Austrian, I think we revealed Austrian. in the last episode. Yes, yes, absolutely. I'm also Austrian, but I did not get that right. Schwarzwälder, probably, is what I'm... Oh, Schwarzwälder. Oh, yeah, that's, that's probably it. Yeah. For everybody who speaks English, it is Black Forest Cake. So, thank you, cake. Oh, my God, I just put... To- oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what a combo. Thank you, Cake Mastermind, for giving us Black Forest Cake to start on. That had layers that I missed. Please don't layers, make don't uh, cake 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 jokes incoming. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a long episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hate this. Uh, okay, well, where to start? What did you? Oh my god! Question of the week. Without Sarah, everything's of off the rails. Question of the week is a Drew special. So why don't why don't you introduce the question, Drew? So the question of the week was. Um, what oh fuck I forgot my own question. Um, what band I think the the it was what band had like the most influence on your music tastes basically. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, a really good question, and I can always tell when it's a really good question because we have tons of submissions when something like this happens. So <laughs> our Discord was popping off, and I forgot. I'm sorry to to our loving adoring um, public, but I forgot to post it on Twitter until a few. Ap- hours before recording and I still got a bunch of responses so I'm gonna have to pick from from all over the place so on discord we have that let's see Geist picked Nine Inch Nails our best friend our, our best of course Nine Inch Nails our best friend also Corn, which I think was a great great answer uh, yeah uh Cake Mastermind our um honored patron of the episode said basically it started with Nirvana but then kind of elaborated oh. that also Nine Inch Nails made the list. And Jean, who unfortunately couldn't be here today, picked the Spice Girls. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, our other very, very good friend, Robin, who we love so, so much, shockingly chose Avril Lavigne. And let me just tell you all, Robin used to be my college roommate way, way back, like more than 10 years ago. And she is obsessed with Jason Mraz. So somehow the Avril Lavigne to Jason Mraz jump was made, <laughs> which makes no sense to me. I learned through this one. Uh, on on Twitter, we have another old friends of ours, um, Johannes from Monochrome, said that his favorite was Kraftwerk. And then also Rage Against oh the Machine. Oh my god. Do you like Kraftwerk? <laughs> I love Kraftwerk. Wait, I feel like it was only familiar to me because of you when he said that. Yes. Okay. Yes. Probably. You definitely showed me Kraftwerk. Uh, and another uh, of our followers, Manic Matt 1991. 
I feel like if I just say his username is Manic Matt 1991, you can literally guess the bands that he's about to list. He <laughs> Linkin Park, <laughs> 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 Taking Back Sunday, brand new Coheed and Cambria, all really good, really really yes. good. Actually, fuck, I'm like distantly related by marriage to Coheed and Cambria. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's all fucked up because it's my cousin had a kid with a woman whose oh. cousin is in Coheed and Cambria, but they're not really together. So it's like my cut. Co- it's like two cousins removed and a whole lot of drama in between. But wow, I lost that. That's a <laughs> that's a that's a connection. I we guess. all we all lost there. What's yours, Drew? Oh God, I'm. I have to say my my like music taste really came from Tool. Like absolutely, Ooh. I love I love Tool so much, and it's like just their sound and and everything they do is just is so great. Um, I'd also have to say it's like a combination of Tool and like God, like System of a Down. I love, and it's it, this is just going to become a like what bands do you love <laughs> thing. So you guys are also hardcore. All of these answers were like good angsty hardcore music, and then there's yeah. then there's Gene. <laughs> Spice Girls. I guess I'll bridge that gap. My favorite or my earliest like real love uh, was Fall Out Boy. And I feel like that affected a lot of, yeah, a lot of the music I found later. Well, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say Portishead because Portishead is like super important. When you and I met, that was, I think, your favorite band. That's what all I would, yeah, that's all I played. So yeah, it's like so many bands that are just like span the spectrum of things so those all kind of have a similar sound though there's like an eerie kind of like um unsettling quality to all of them yeah and that's why it's like i think that's like good taste like because that's real art if it can do that i'm not gonna say follow up boys not art but it's not tool (laughs) 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 yeah I don't know. I think I think all music has value except for country. But that's besides the point. <laughs> you give you live in the south. You cannot say that. We're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. <laughs> well, move on. Move on quickly. Where did you end up? I ended up on Thomas More. The Thomas More. Yes, Thomas More. Let me ask you another question. Yeah. Did you wander the internet in English? I did not. I wandered it in German for a very long time and then ended up on Thomas More. Bitch, so did I. <laughs> oh. Yes, we both did. So that was, I don't know what your experience was like, but for me, it was kind of just a huge shot in the dark because I I like yeah. thought I understood German. Like I can say Ein Hühnchen, which I feel like is the pat, that's squirrel in German. And that's what they always ask you. So I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm good at this. A plus in this language. A pl- <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh no, I don't understand. I, so then I just kept clicking on pictures. <laughs> <'Cause> that's, <laughs> that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Can I sneak peek? Where is Thomas Moore from? Where did he live? England. 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 Okay. Very important in England. Very important to the Catholic Church in England. Oh, Okay. We're going to get religious. We're going to get historic. Yes, we are. I landed on Grundsteinlegung. (laughs) I love it. I love it. It sounds so much cooler in English. Uh, It's a cornerstone. Oh, cool. Yeah. So awesome. I'm going to talk about cornerstones, uh, which you can imagine is probably very broad. So I'm going to talk about my favorite parts of it, which is a very small slice. Mm, a little. <laughs> <laughs> Does Thomas More have anything to do with architecture? No. Shit. Is it mostly religious? It's mostly religious, but I, I focused on a very specific aspect of him. So we both we both kind of did like a very specific aspect of one thing. I kind of want to learn about Thomas More first. Is that Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm very happy to, to discuss Thomas More. I'm very, very happy. I've at least heard of him, but I don't think I could tell you off the cuff what he's famous for. Okay, well, I will I will explain. So uh, this week I ended up on Thomas More, who I actually have a bit of a connection to personally. Not like family-wise or anything like that, but like a bit of a connection. Not like me and Coheed and Cambria. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I think, I think most people know at this point that I'm at least agnostic or atheist. Uh, you know, either I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the fence right now. 
on the fence about being agnostic. That's a fucking thing. Um, but <laughs> I'm neutral, neutral. <laughs> I'm neutral, neutral. Exactly. Um, but I was brought up Roman Catholic, of course. And when I was confirmed Roman Catholic, you pick a saint for your confirmation name. And well, I bet you can guess I picked Thomas More for my confirmation name. And that makes me a little bit of an asshole. Wait, what? And you may ask, what, what about Thomas More makes you an asshole? Well, here's, here's the reason. Well, I chose him because at the time I was very, very atheist at this point and very against organized religion. So Thomas More, he, I chose him specifically because he stood up for his beliefs and he held them through to his execution. Wow. So it was a way of complying, but saying that I'm going to hold on to my beliefs, which were much stronger at that point. And no matter what anyone threw at me, I was going to stay true to what I believed in. Very noble. So it's a, it a bit of a fuck you. <laughs> it's a bit of a fuck I you. I think that's very noble. I, I like that. But also, how did they... I thought you weren't allowed to not pick a saint. He's a saint. He's St. Thomas More. What? Yeah, he's a saint. But he was an atheist. No, no, he was not an atheist. He's very, very Christian. Did Thomas More write Utopia? He did. Fuck it. That's where I heard. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about that, but it was basically the, the strength in his belief that really led to his death, which is what I really admired about him, because he really just stood up to everyone and said, like, no, I'm going to stick to my beliefs regardless of what anyone did or said to him. And that made me really admire Thomas More, even though we're very, very much opposed in our, in our, um, our beliefs, because he's very Roman Catholic, Aww. so... Or, or very Catholic, but but that's it. Just like it really inspired me a little bit. Um, but that's enough about me, and let's talk about Thomas More. So to begin, he was born February seventh of uh, fourteen seventy eight, so pretty long time ago, and he's been venerated by the Catholic Church, and that's why he's he's confirmed as a saint because he, the Catholic Church really loves him. But he was an English lawyer, judge, social philosopher, author, statesman, and a very well noted Renaissance humanist, which is super cool. And he wore a ton of different hats throughout his life. So he's, he's basically a very... He's, he's a, a Renaissance, Renaissance man. man. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> so um, what really made him notable, notable was that he served King Henry VIII as the Lord High Chancellor of England and famously, of course, wrote the book Utopia, which describes an ideal political system uh, of an imaginary island state. So that's super cool. I mean, it, Utopia is a very good read and, and it's, it's pretty Have cool. Have you read so it? I recommend it. I've read bits of it, but not fully all of it. The bits that I've read, I really liked. I was supposed to read parts of it, and I don't think I did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. That happens. Oopsies. I took a literature of the Renaissance class, and there was no way I was going to keep up with all of them. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot. There's a lot of books to keep up with. But one of the most important things he did was he opposed the Protestant Reformation and was therefore against the teachings of Martin Luther and, and several other people. He was very against their teachings. And uh, Thomas More also directly opposed the king, so King Henry VIII's separation from the Catholic Church. Oh, right. Uh, he f yeah, yeah. He further refused to acknowledge Henry VIII's as the supreme head of the Church of England, and he also wouldn't annul Henry VIII's marriage to Catherine of Argonne. So, oh, sorry, Aragon. So basically, he just wouldn't annul his, her, his marriage, sorry, Basically, what he did was he, he refused to take the oath of supremacy, which basically meant he would not swear allegiance to the king as the supreme governor of the Church of England, which is a very, very big fuck you to the king. And he was convicted of treason, which is, of course, punishable by death. I mean, like his boss kind of has a track record for killing people. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and he's going to go against them. But, you know, he's, he held up his beliefs. That's ballsy. Exactly. And uh, when he was actually like going to be executed, it is reported that he said, I die the king's good servant. And the gods first. And gods first, sorry. Meaning that he did not really view himself as a kind of rebel against the king, but he just believed that he served God first. Which, I, I don't know, that's that's like admirable. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're like literally about to die. Like, Yeah, <laughs> he was walking up, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many beliefs I would hold on to if they were like, I'm going to kill you for this. I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'll change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that because I... I I literally said, I don't know that many people, including myself, who would be able to hold their beliefs that strongly to be literally executed for yeah. them. I'd, pr I, you know, I'd probably be like, I'm good. Yeah, you, you do you. Yeah, and then just like <laughs> go fuck off and do my own thing in private. Like I would still do whatever I want, but I just like wouldn't let anyone know about it. Exactly. So I think, I think it's pretty metal at the end of the day. It's pretty metal. I agree. It's metal. It's metal. So what I was specifically interested in was the trial that took place to kind of see the like progression of how Thomas More ended up being executed, which was, you know, that's that's kind of the 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 way it goes. I, I, sorry to sort of spoil the end of the story. It's like Titanic almost. Like it's <laughs> bitch is gonna sink. Like which you famously <laughs> did not watch, so like you can't say that. 
<laughs> we all you told all of us you didn't watch it so you're like you're like okay nobody watched titanic but listen to me talk about sir thomas morrison his it's the trial right you're gonna tell us about it yes yeah, the trial yeah listen to me secondhand i'm not gonna, tell, I'm not gonna fucking... tell a trial but don't watch a, a sexy love story on a sinking boat <laughs> <laughs> fucking fucking got him <laughs> It's clear. It's clear where our priorities are. I'm still not gonna see that movie, no matter what. <laughs> well, <laughs> it all started in 1533 when Moore he he did a he did a bad. He refused to attend the coronation of Anne Boleyn as the Queen of England. So this was Henry VIII's newest wife, and he was just like, nope, not going. Because he didn't agree. He didn't agree. He wouldn't annul their marriage. So he basically said, or annul King Henry VIII's like original yeah. marriage. So so he was just like, nope, fuck you, not going. But admittedly, he he did literally write the king saying that he wished him happiness with the new queen. But he was like, not my president. Yeah, exactly, kinda. He he took Moore's absence as a bit of a snub. And was just like, I don't like this. This is starting to build, like, nothing really came of this specifically, but he's, like, starting to build this, like, little bit of hatred towards Thomas More. And then uh, in the early, in early 1533, sorry, 1534, uh, Thomas More was accused of giving advice and counsel to the Holy Maid of Kent. And the Holy Maid of Kent, you'd think, like, oh, that's no big deal. Like, a, like getting that title seems like you'd be a great person. Nope. The Holy Maid of Kent, Elizabeth Barton, uh, prophesied that the king was had ruined his soul and would come to a quick end for divorcing the Queen Catherine. Which, <laughs> like, that's just major treason. So, okay, so the king hears of this and he's like, I know my friends are shit-talking me. Yeah, yeah, this this uh, Elizabeth Barton, um, who is the Holy Maid of Kent, she was she was basically shit-talking the king, like saying, you've, you've ruined your soul, you're going to die, which is major treason. And just being associated with her is really not great for more mm -hmm. because he was because you know that's like your co-conspiracy conspirating what's the word for it co-conspiring that's the word for it okay uh with her and that's not great because you don't want to be you know you don't want to be called for treason but the funny thing is he was actually more was telling telling the the holy maid of kent to not interfere with state matters like that's what his advice was oh, he's like don't shit. fuck with state matters and like that's you know he was just telling her to back off Instead, he gets like basically gets brought to trial by the Privy Council, which I'm guessing is like a religious council, and they they asked him to answer for this apparent treason, but the matter was dropped because he was able to explain like this is what I did, like this is what I said to her, and you know she backed him up, so they were just like okay, that's, we'll let it slide. But you know this is all sort of the building the case against him, and then in 1534, uh, Moore was asked to swear his allegiance to the Parliamentary Act of Succession. So the Parliamentary Act basically allowed Parliament to write the right to declare Anne Boleyn the legitimate Queen of England. So, Moore actually accepts this act of succession, but he refused to accept the spiritual validity of the king's second marriage. So he's saying that, like, in the eyes of the church, we're not really going to recognize that marriage. We're just going to be like, oh, like, that's not really a marriage. Like, you still have your first one. So it's, like, legally accepted, but not religiously? Not religiously accepted, okay. exactly. And at this point, religion and, and legal systems are kind of intertwined a little too much. But he also refused to take the, the oath of supremacy of the crown. So basically, um, like as the acting representative of the church, he was basically saying that the king and church were not seeing eye to eye on this matter of, of the new queen. And Moore refused to further refused to uh, annul Henry VIII's marriage to Catherine. So basically, he was telling the king he's not going to annul his marriage and refused to sign the 1534 Oath of Succession, which would confirm Anne Boleyn's role as the queen and give rights to the children of succession. So when, if they had children together, they'd have the right of succession. Yeah. So basically, he was he illegitimized Henry VIII's children with Anne Boleyn in the eyes of the church and was basically saying that they will not follow the line of succession by not signing this. So that's kind of a big, that's a big thing. Yeah. That's, a, a, that's, a, that's a pretty big thing to, to not, not sign for the king. And this ends up being a big old wet slap to the face for King Henry, who was not very pleased by that. No one would be pleased for a wet slap. Why is it no wet? One's... That's the real question. <laughs> no. And now it's legally wet. No. He's getting... A, it's legally wet. He's getting a legally binding wet slap to the face. Legally binding wet slap. So 
the the funny thing is, funny thing is Moore really did not have any arguments against the concept of succession. He didn't have a problem with that. He's like, you know what, fucking you do you. But the preamble of the oath, uh, the authority of the Pope was brought into question and Moore had a huge problem with that. Basically, it was it was saying that the king was going to kind of take place of the pope as like the head of the church. Moore was just like, "No, nah, uh, uh-uh, that ain't happening. That's not that's not cool." At this point, there was enough evidence for the king to arrest Moore for treason, and basically within a few days of this really coming out, Moore was imprisoned in the Tower of London. During his time in the Tower, Thomas Cromwell made several trips to try and like convince Moore to take the oath, but Moore refused. So basically you have a bunch of advisors and, and you know, higher up people in the courts coming in and saying like, hey, Moore, just just say it's okay and you'll be good. And, and Moore is just like, nope, not doing it. Do you know if the Pope knew about it? I, I would assume so. I think because the Pope actually is the one who made him a saint. So I think the Pope is, I forget what Pope it was. Yeah. Like, at some point, he must have found out then, but maybe not yeah. that. Like, I'd be interested to know if the Pope, like, caught wind of this and was like, oh, my God, don't say that. Yeah, I would I would probably guess the Pope would be like, nope, don't question my power. But, you know, that's that's me. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, also kind of around this time, the Pope, right, was the Pope in charge of the Holy Roman? Oh, the Holy Roman Emperor, like, was a job that somebody had. Yes. But... Yeah. Like at that point, it was a religious empire. Yeah. So hmm. I feel like the Pope also had a lot of political power, still does, but it yeah. would just be interesting yeah. to know like the Pope's take on, on everything. The Pope's take on more? I, well, I think he definitely supported him, but I don't know if they could support him like, you know, uh, I almost said financially. That's not the word I'm looking for. Like they couldn't send an army be like, get more out of there. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Moore was actually charged with three things. Basically, he was indicted for high treason related to not declaring the king's supremacy. He was uh, charged with conspiring with a, a Bishop John Fisher, who I didn't really look too much into, but apparently they had a big like conspiracy that, that he was going to like overthrow the king or something. Oh, shit. You know, something pretty big. We almost knew this guy. So he, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I just... I, Thomas Moore was more interesting. And then... The last charge he was he was like assigned was that Parliament did not have the he basically said that Parliament did not have the right to proclaim the king's supremacy over the Church of England. So he had these three charges, and it was believed that a judge actually dismissed the first two charges and tried more on the third charge. But some scholars actually disagree with this and say that all charges were were you know brought against more. Regardless of of all of that, I mean I'm sure a lot of people are battling in, in some comment section like, oh, you had it. No, they didn't. But either way, uh, things didn't look good for Moore because regardless of the specific charges, he was indicted on uh, violating the Treasons Act of 1534, which basically stated that it's treasonous to speak against the king's supremacy. So if you said the king's not the, king's not the big boy, you basically get thrown in jail and killed. That's uh, that's where we begin the trial. Is is he's he's really being um, you know offended? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, wait till you hear the stacked against how stacked this was against Moore. So the trial began on July first, fifteen thirty five, and there's a large panel of judges. But these judges include Anne Boleyn's uncle, her father, and her brother. I was like uh, did- among six judges. <laughs> How would wonder how that happened? Yeah, I wonder how that happened. And the, those three people were just really bad news for Thomas More. Like he was just he was really in trouble, and he was offered the king's gracious pardon if he would just reform his obstinate opinion. But More responded, his his like argument was that he had he had not taken the oath, but he had never spoken against it either, and his silence could be could be taken as his ratification and confirmation of the new statutes. So basically he's saying, like, I didn't say anything bad against it, so like I could that could be taken as accepted. This is like I'm not touching like accepting you. it. Uh, exactly, that's what it is. Because there's a there's a legal precedent that one who keeps silent seems to consent. That's kind of the 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 legal precedent that he was thinking about. So they were believing that he would not be convicted as long as he did not explicitly deny that the king was supreme head of the church. So exactly, he's doing that whole not touching you thing. He's just like he's like I never said that. Like I he's like I could believe that, but I never said it. Sort of to that end, he refused to answer any questions regarding this opinion on the subject. So basically, he took he pled the fifth, pled the fifth. That's the word for it. But the fifth didn't really exist because that's that's a U.S. thing. American. Tried pleading the fifth, but like 
that doesn't work. So Thomas Cromwell, who was who tried to convince Moore to like give in, basically brings in a witness who says that Moore had denied that the king was a legitimate head of the church. He basically like a, a complete hearsay thing of of oh he said this. Yeah. Moore's like, come on, this doesn't make any sense. Like, come on, like, what do you do? What are you doing here? <laughs> Even other witnesses were like, that didn't happen. So did they believe him? Well, Moore basically says this whole thing didn't happen. He would never say anything like that to anyone. Can you guess how long it took the jury to finish to, to pr- pronounce him? guilty no was it like a day nope it was 15 minutes what the fuck <laughs> did they just all like put their hand in and go guilty guilty <laughs> 15 minutes <gasps> they they probably took 15 minutes deciding where they're gonna yell when they throw their hands up <laughs> we're gonna say fuck you you yell this i'll yell this <laughs> <laughs> yes. We say go king? No, 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 no. We decided guilty. No, maybe, maybe just guilty. Maybe, maybe you're guilty. <laughs> that's that's more. <laughs> and then somebody else is like, "When do I get out of the cake?" When do I jump we're out? Not doing the cake anymore. <laughs> when the cake's out. Cake is out. Cake hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> wow, that's fucked. So a funny thing. So after the verdict was delivered and before sentencing. Moore kind of just goes off the rails a little bit. And he's just like, he says, no temporal man may be head of spirituality. Basically saying that no one can take over the role of the Pope. And I find that a little funny because the Pope is a temporal man himself. But Well, I'm you know, sure that's... they didn't see it that way. I mean, of course, of course. But it was just it's just a little funny to me. But he's basically saying that no no king can take over the, the role of the Pope. The verdict's, he's guilty, but like, and he knows he's going to be fucked. So he's, he's just like, fuck it. I don't care. No one can take his spirituality. Like the king's nothing. Going out, like, shooting, like... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Fuck you, fuck you. But, like, also, all of this sounds to me underneath. It just sounds like Moore and and Henry VIII were friends. And, like, it sounds like like Henry VIII took this really personally. Like, his feelings were hurt. Yeah, I think so, too. I think a little bit that. Like, just the fact that he'd be like, I'd forgive you if you just admit that you're wrong. I don't know. That that sounds... I mean, it's probably the king's huge ego. But it, it also just yeah. kind of sounds like he lost a friend that he's trying to get back. Like, just come back. Just say just say that you love just me. Come just come back. Just, it's fine. Just say you love me. It's we'll fine. We'll forget everything ever happened. So it's, it's said that Moore was actually pleading that the statutes of supremacy, like the thing he wouldn't sign, was contrary to the Magna Carta. Basically, that the whole thing was... Like, his whole indictment was was completely void if, if it was was a, a violation of the Magna Carta, but basically this didn't work. And he was sentenced to be hanged, drawn, and quartered, which, it, do you know hanged, drawn, and quartered, what that is? Yeah, from American history. Same same thing. So it's it's not a great punishment, or not, not a great, it's a terrible punishment, I should say. But this is the usual punishment for traitors who are not nobility. I think this oh. kind of goes to your, your, you know, the king being a little snubbed. The king was like, nope. That's not happening. We're taking off your head. <gasps> Wait. So his. But they were already giving him a sentence that was for not nobles. So he's like, no, we're going to do yes. even worse. I don't know if it's even worse because you, you're getting hanged, drawn, and quartered. That's not great. But he's just like, no, no, we're taking off your head. I think I think that's more like disrespectful. I think that's that's true. I don't know which is worse. I I, I don't. I'm not sure. Unless the king is like, I want to take your head off myself. Oh, hold on. Come back. Come back. We're talking about Henry VIII. That was his favorite thing to do. Yeah, that's true. He loved chopping people's heads off. Loved it. (laughs) He loved it. Yeah. No, I think, but he, he was like, nope, taking off that head. That's... That's where that's where we're going. We're taking out the trash like we always do. Taking out the trash, the trashy boys. Um, well, the execu- the execution <laughs> took place a few days later. What? Execution. 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 <laughs> Jesus. Ugh. Uh, so that's the sixth of July, fifteen thirty-five, and this is where he he enters the scaffold, which is like the the execution area, which was like very poorly built and was very shaky. Which is a, just a funny thing that that they added to the Wikipedia articles, like, oh, it's a shitty scaffold that they put him on. But this is where he declared that he died the king's good servant and God's first. So that was like his right before he was going to be executed, and while he was kneeling for his execution the executioner was just like please forgive me i don't want to do this but i have to do this and Moore was just like he stood up and gave him a kiss on the forehead and was like 
I like, I forgive you completely. This is he. So he was a cool guy. Even in the end, he's like, even my executioner, I'm going to forgive because he, uh, guy. what? A, yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the story of Thomas More, like the, the trial of him. And of course, this is like a little tiny itty bitty fragment of the Wikipedia article because there's just way, way so much more about him. I mean, like all the jobs you listed. Yeah. Like there's, he did so much. He did so much. Yeah. So, but the, the, the trial really was what interested me. But if you're interested in reading more about more, sorry, I really couldn't resist that. <laughs> if you're interested, there's tons more to the article. So, so please go read. Yeah. But, but it was just cool to me that Thomas More even held his beliefs till his death. And as I said before, he really didn't look at himself as some kind of rebel against the king. He was just like, I'm a dude who wants to just stick to my beliefs. And that's, that I find very admirable. I definitely don't regret choosing him as my confirmation name. What I read, he just seemed like a really cool dude. So yeah, that's that's Thomas More in a nutshell. That's awesome. I was a trial of Thomas More. I was gonna ask, yeah, if you did you know about all of this before you chose him? I knew about a lot, like a bit of this. I knew that he very much stood for his beliefs and that he, like, I, I knew kind of who he was, and that's why I picked him was that he really stood for his beliefs, and so I just. I really like that idea about him. And yeah, I, I like I learned a lot reading through this. So I was very happy with it. That's awesome. That's really cool. Thank you for teaching me about Thomas More. I never knew any of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. And how Well, I'm excited for your topic. Oh my god, yeah. So mine probably very much like Thomas More. You probably heard of a cornerstone. Yes. <laughs> Except maybe you know more of what a cornerstone is than what Thomas More is. But <laughs> if you don't know what a cornerstone is, you probably pass them all the time and don't realize. It's these little like built-in plaques on buildings. It's literally a stone on the corner of a building. And it usually tells you when the building was made or erected. Um, there's usually a date on it. Sometimes it gives you the architect's name uh, who or who paid for it. So modern buildings do this. And it turns out ancient buildings did this. But rather than getting like this could have gone in so many directions like i could have talked about like architecture i could have talked about freemasonry i could have talked you know all over the place um i actually am gonna talk about my favorite subgenre of cornerstones which are cornerstones that double as so sorry i forgot the word <laughs> time capsules oh cool <laughs> sorry i was i was <laughs> Bombs. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Graves, maybe? I was like, knowing Lindsey Graves. <laughs> you just activated my trap. <laughs> so many buildings are graves. Yes. <laughs> God damn it. I was so going to work up to that. I was going to be like, mm -mm, here are some of the things that they found. <laughs> bodies. bodies. <laughs> I'll jump. I'll jump right in and get to the part that we're all waiting for now, which is why are there people in buildings? I'm so serious. That is what my topic is about. Cornerstones that also are people. Another, like I almost actually did just talk exclusively about time capsules because I do think that they're very cool. Mm -hmm. But it's also kind of hard to talk about because they're usually uh, pretty repetitive. It's like yeah. coins, newspapers, Bibles. Like it's, it's usually a lot of the same stuff. But what I did find was a couple examples that I thought were a little neat. Like in Arlington Cemetery, had one from 1915 uh, that had the boring stuff in it, had a Bible, had a flag, had some stamps. I thought that was kind of cool to yeah. think about 1915 stamps. Uh, an assigned picture from Woodrow Wilson, who was president at the time. And I loved this example. In 1795, a cornerstone was laid in a building in Massachusetts by Samuel Adams and Paul Revere. Oh, <laughs> yeah, cool. it was put in the building and it was actually originally in a cowhide kind of box. Mm -hmm. And at some point in the 1800s, I'll see if I wrote down the date. 1855 it was found and then replaced in a copper box and a couple things were added in 1885 in 2014 there was a plumbing leak nobody knew that it was there and they were fixing the plumbing leak and some the person working on it was like oh fuck like there's like something in this box <laughs> and then like the woman who i think it must have been like a historical site or like a museum the woman who was like running the museum like crawled into this tiny crawl space and was like chiseling away and it was like coins were raining down on her <laughs> because apparently when they reburied it in 1885 
the people who put it just threw coins in for good luck, like around the box. So it's like, as she's chiseling out the box, they're like falling on her in the debris. And apparently it was also like snowing and freezing outside at the time. So she would just get like rained on, come in and warm up and then go back and like get rained on in this little crawl space. Just a really, really weird mental image. But I thought it was very cool that it was some of the um, like really, really old timey founding fathers. And I think that that just had also coins in it. It was kind of the contents were kind of boring. It was coins, a medal of George Washington, an old newspaper, a silver plaque and an engraving that may have been by Paul Revere. Uh, kind of cool i think it's more exciting to find a cache like that than it is what's actually in it like it's more of the thrill you know there were some articles i was finding that had like pictures of hundreds of year old um, cornerstone time capsules and they genuinely look like they were put there yesterday like there's no mold on them there's no like drying out like they look brand fucking new so i think just finding really well preserved artifacts is kind of a thrill in and of itself even if it's like you're not going to read the newspaper probably whatever (laughs) but the practice this kind of goes back to one of my really old topics where i talked about the genius Oh, like, yeah, so, yeah. Like, a, it's kind of like a spirit or a personality mm-hmm. of a home. And so in some cultures, and what I loved was reading the, because I told you I found this through German means. Yes. I, this, so this was actually a European article because the way that the word was translated it means cornerstone, but that's not exactly how it was translated. So I couldn't, on the wiki sidebar, there was no, like, view this in English. Mm-hmm. I had to separately search for yeah. a, an English article. And because of that, I got a European perspective that I don't think we would have had from from the American perspective. And it was cool because it kind of got into more of, like, European ancient history and talking about the different ways that European culture saw houses or spirits of houses. And I came to appreciate that... First of all, it's really fucking hard to build a house and it's really hard to get it to stand. And so there are some old myths about how to get a house to stand. And that's that's actually why the Freemasons were a cult was that they passed down the secrets of making a house stand that the G is for God as well as geometry in the Freemason symbol. Oh, that's cool. I don't know that. Yeah, yeah. So the Freemasons themselves, a lot of their iconography actually has a lot to do with secrets of the trade of being Masons. That's that's where the name came from. Masons and good people. Actually, as a side tangent, in the Wild West, they actually were also the local law, inf- law enforcement in some places. Cool. Um, so kind of <laughs> a cool secret. Yeah. Anyway, all over the globe, people were really desperate to get their houses to stand up. And had different methods of sacrifice to God and nature and whatever to make sure that your house stood up. So there's an ancient Japanese tradition called Hidobashira that literally translates to um, human pillars. And they would bury maidens alive in the pillars of buildings. I shit you not. (laughs) Wait, oh, fuck. I had a nightmare about that once. That that was me. What if in a past life I I died that way? (laughs) That would be nuts. I was like, oh, this is familiar. I know this when I was reading it. And I just put together that that was my nightmare. Oh, I got to go back through some journals. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to log that one. (laughs) I'm going to add a little post-it note to some page somewhere. Anyway, so... Not quite the same as a cornerstone, but a woman being buried in a pillar was thought to be something along the lines of good luck, but it's, it's actually a little bit more than that. So people believed that you could manufacture a ghost to haunt your house to keep it up and to protect it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> Ghosts holding up the wall. Like. But like, but like, I kind of get it. Like you step into a house sometimes and you're like, this house has a personality. This house has a vibe or like a, an essence. Like mm-hmm. you walk into a house and you know if it's a happy home or not sometimes. And that was kind of what I was getting after with genius. Like there is like a personality or or an entity mm-hmm. like of your home. It's, it's really kind of the same thing, which I guess is just really fascinating. But uh, in... There's one guy who I guess studied a bunch of this. He was a Scottish man named James Fraser. And in the 1890s, he wrote a book that had a couple examples of this practice in history. So I was going to share a few of those. Oh, perfect. Okay. So in, in Greece, people used to sacrifice either a rooster, a ram, or a lamb and let the blood drip all over the foundation. 
But more common than that, or in times that you couldn't sacrifice an animal, you entice a man to the foundation stone or the cornerstone and you secretly measure his body. I'm not kidding. You measure his body with like a cord or a rope or something like that. And if you bury it under the foundation stone or the cornerstone, it's as if you are burying the likeness of his body. Oh, it's like an effigy almost. Yeah, exactly. It's like an effigy. So other practices, if you couldn't sneakily measure somebody, you would put the cornerstone down on top of his shadow. And in that sense, you're burying his shadow in the cornerstone of the building. (laughs) Therefore trapping his soul. Trapping his soul in the building. And I think, I don't know really where the science or um, symbolism for this comes from, but cultures, not just in Greece, but a, a few other places in Europe, as I'll, I'll come to explain, believed that without your shadow, you will die. So they believe that it captures your shadow and some sources say within a year, others 40 days. If you don't have your shadow, you die within a very short period of time. So even if you are not buried in the wall, your shadow is, and then you die shortly after. So Yay. you're kind of funneled <laughs> through kind of your, funneled your, your wall, soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That poor guy is trapped. <laughs> he was like, come over here, baby. <laughs> and yeah. You're like, bam, <laughs> trapped. And we can, have, we can have a little, we can have a little, like, I'll smooch him. I'll smooch him. You know, I'll smooch him, you measure. You sneak, behind, <laughs> you sneak behind him. Um, the Romanians in Transylvania, according to the same guy, Frazier, they, they were the ones who believed in less than 40 days you would die uh, without your shadow and also measured the uh, the man and and buried the measurements of the man but what I loved was that not only, okay, so let, let, let's go back through the pipeline, like big picture. Okay, so you, you would sacrifice an animal, but if you couldn't sacrifice an animal, you would sacrifice a person, or maybe that was easier to just take measurements or something like that. But what if you can't lure anybody out to your property? Well, there were shadow traders for this purpose. <laughs> shadow traders? <laughs> There were people whose business it was to sell measurements of people to architects to be buried in the cornerstones. Holy shit. This reminds me of the fucking, um, the cursed tablets. How they had the, how they had like the, the salesman of the cursed tablets. That reminds oh me God. so much of that. People are just out there selling curses in the old times. <laughs> Where are they now? I want one. Just, tra- just trading in souls and curses. Like, I kept thinking of, like, somebody who's got one of those trench coats on, like, opening their trench coat, and there's just, like, cords dangling, and it's like... What are you buying? (laughs) What are you buying? What are you buying? (laughs) Pick your soul. Pick your soul. Which one... Which curse you want? (laughs) Which curse? I got old men. I got young men. (laughs) I got measurements for days. (laughs) (laughs) This side is women. Yeah, so the idea was, uh, coming back to what I was saying about, I was kind of being flippant, but also being serious. People thought that, like, the the chain of events would be you bury the cord or you bury the shadow, and the person dies pretty quickly, and they are pissed because they don't know that this has happened to them. And the idea truly was to capture an angry person. Like, if you had an angry ghost stuck in your walls, they would probably protect the building. <laughs> Just like a, this house ain't coming down. I'm so angry. (laughs) (laughs) Or just being like, you know, like if unwanted visitors show up at the door, like you've got. You've got an angry ghost. Yeah. (laughs) You've got an angry ghost. It's like, don't come in here. This place is haunted. Like, sorry. The walls will ooze green slime. (laughs) Wait, they always do that. (laughs) They always do that. Uh, So. Another uh, sort of article that I was reading was talking about some myths and like legends as to why people do this. So there's not actually substantiated evidence that people did what I'm about to say. That's kind of my disclaimer. But I thought this was a very funny story and actually very related to yours. I'm going to talk about some saints. Oh, cool. Okay. So in the Scottish island of Iona, Iona, I think, there were the saints Columba and St. Oren. And they were near the site of this church that was being built and I guess like happens back in the day it's really hard to get buildings to stand but a little more peculiar than that they would be working on the the chapel and they would go home for the day and when they come back everything that they had done the day before was undone oh so really sisyphusian task here they're trying to build a building they show up and everything is gone and this happens 
repeatedly for several days until St. Columba is like, I know what's going to fix this, actually. <laughs> I shit you not. You need to bury someone alive under the church. <laughs> <laughs> I caramba St. Columba. <laughs> no. Sorry, I just, I just thought of that. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. <laughs> I like, you know, I like how that was so bad that the thought of burying someone alive under the church doesn't sound as bad. You hurt me. I'm sorry. No. Oh, fuck. You just reminded me I have an apology corner. I can't do it in the middle of the story, but we got to come back. I have an apology corner on the agenda. But okay, we'll see Oren being a saint was like, I'll do it. I'll die for God. Bury me alive. I'll do it if it puts this church up. Because the underlying uh, sort of superstition was that it was an affront to God and nature to build a house. And I kind of want to take a minute there because it is so easy to knock a house down. And also like the way that we prefer to live as animals is not like nature is not conducive Mm -hmm. to our survival. Like shit is rough out there. Like I don't even like camping. So the (laughs) thought of like creating like a structure for us to survive, like we just, we are so unnatural us humans and what we need to survive is so unnatural. Although I know that animals do build houses, but it's like to literally build architectural structures. It really, I could see where the belief is rooted, where it's like God gave us, in this belief system, all of this abundance and all of this like bounty, truly, of of food and of like animals and everything. And on top of that, you want to go a step further and make more? Like, how yeah. are you not happy with what you've been given? <laughs> yeah. How dare you? Like, the idea was that architecture, and you're also, because you know, like Tower of, of Babel, Babel, yeah. like, you know, people wanted to build a tower all the way up to God, and God was like, mm-mm, too nope. close. <laughs> Everybody's confused now. Seven mm-mm. on my feet, can't do that. <laughs> I think I read somewhere that that was only like four stories tall, and they were like, <laughs> it's a skyscraper. <laughs> God is here. <laughs> we're almost to God. We're almost there. <laughs> Just keep going. But anyway, anyway, so they were like, okay, so the even though it was a holy building, it just kept falling. So St. Oren was like, I'll do it. Bury me alive. Bury me under the floor. So they do. They bury him alive under the floor. I know it's not really the same as a cornerstone, but they bury him alive. And they come back the next day after their construction and it's clean. Like everything's fine. It didn't undo itself. It worked. So they keep going for a few days, continuing to build this chapel. And St. Columba's like, you know, I kind of miss my friend. That <laughs> sucks. Yeah. They were like, do you think we could like dig him up one more time so I could like see him? Maybe even say goodbye. Like, yeah, I miss him. <laughs> so they're like, yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So they dig up St. Oren. And I want to get this quote right. He sits upright, like right up out of the grave. Like, you know, still dirty and everything and goes, there is no wonder in death and hell is not as it is reported. <laughs> is earth earth on the mouth of the void so he may not blab no more <laughs> Columbus literally like bury that shit again <laughs> he's not done put him back <laughs> he's gotta keep baking <laughs> put him back in the hellfire but wow. uh yeah I guess that's how that I wish I knew what church it was but that that's that. I'm ending on a high note. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, this is a very sacrilegious episode. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, that's that's us. Or very religious. It could be very religious. We'll take it. Put him yeah, back. It was very <laughs> Put him back. Put him back. Earth. 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 <laughs> he needs it. We need Earth. <laughs> Put it back in his mouth. Incredible. The cornerstones. I wasn't expecting it, but it's just you know it makes sense that like you really want to have a house built, so you're just like. What the fuck's going to do it? Maybe a person. Sacrifice. 
Before human sacrifice. sacrifice. <laughs> it's worked before. It's never let us down before. Human sacrifice is always a really good idea. I love that. Gods are mad. Gods are mad. Sacrifice it. <laughs> Maybe some food would make them feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Feed them. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, it's pretty cool. I didn't have enough time to really study in depth, but there are a lot of archaeological um, sites where people think that things have been intentionally buried in walls. It's like its own kind of subgenre to explore, but it was a little too tangential to yeah. cornerstones for me, yeah. so I didn't really get into it. But something I didn't really think, like if I dug up remains, I wouldn't be like, hmm, this was on purpose. I'd be like, that was a murder. That was, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was nefarious. <laughs> like, don't you think it's a little generous to be like, oh, they were scared of the house falling? Oh, they're... It's like, that was, that was a person. serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A weird interpretation, but it's true. <laughs> it sounds like someone was just like trying to get away with a crime. And they're like, yeah, it doesn't make the house fall down. Yeah. I yep. <laughs> <laughs> I needed some ghosts. I, mean, I, try, I, tried I tried looking everything. for a, I searched high and low for a shadow trader. Couldn't find one. Had to kill a man. Had to kill a man. <laughs> I had to kill a man. Do you want my house to fall? I had to kill a man. I have ch- I have kids. You want my house to fall? I have kids. <laughs> They're three and five. Come on. You want, you want that dead? So, of course, I killed a man. Perfect. How did we get here? How did we get here? Thanks, Black Forest Cake Master Mind. Cake Master Mind. Oh, before we, before we go, I have an apology corner. Yes. In one of our episodes, I was talking about the Dreyfus affair, and I said Richard Dreyfus. Um, his name is Alfred Dreyfus, and apparently Richard Dreyfus is like, I think he's a movie star. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Someone pointed it out to me, and they were like, that was really funny. And I was like, I wasn't being fu- I'm not funny. <laughs> I think that's a mistake. Yeah, he's like some... Some old man who's old man actor from like the 1970s. He was in Jaws. <laughs> it was the one I was talking about Devil's Island. And I was like, how do you guys not know the Dreyfus affair? You know Richard Dreyfus? And you guys were like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I'm also sorry to Alfred Dreyfus's memory that I just completely. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. It happens. I don't know why people come to this show because yeah, if it's what? not for if it's not for facts and it's not for fun, then I don't really know. <laughs> Get neither. No, yeah, you're getting neither. Wow. Put him back in the earth. Put him back. <laughs> He's not done. Put him back. <laughs> not done. One day we'll find our niche. People who like half right facts and just having a good time. <laughs> Think of it as like you know half an hour into the party where you're like not totally drunk and you're still talking about real things. But it's yeah. also not really true. Yeah. <laughs> Me, the party goer, I am. <laughs> yeah, this is like party fan fiction in my head because I don't really know what that looks like. <laughs> we, should, we should put this back in the we, ground. We should put this episode in the ground. <laughs> this episode's going in the ground. If you would like to hang out with us more, uh, if you would like to be a trap shadow in our cornerstone, you can come hang out on Patreon. You can hang out on Twitter. Go ask Alice Pod. I've been real shit at checking our Instagram, but I guess it exists. You can hang out with us on Discord all the time. Yeah, all the time. Every day. Every day. It happens. We have a bump in Discord, and I'm truly loving all of the fun we have there. If you subscribe at our Patreon, you also get special colors to put on your Discord picture, so everybody knows that you're better than them. Mm -hmm. And uh, we love Cake Mastermind. We do love Cake Mastermind. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye. The bodies hit the floor. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Van. I'm so sorry. America.